Welcome to Dream Maker, a podcast brought to you by First National Bank of Syracuse. At FNB, we strive to make sure that every life we touch is improved. Join us for each episode as we cover a wide range of topics, from financial wellness and marketing to mental health and ways to enjoy life overall. We may even teach you a thing or two about cultivating healthy soil. We are here to improve your life and so glad you've joined us today. Now, here are your hosts for today's episode of Dream Maker. This is Chris Floyd, and welcome to week number or episode number three of our Dream Maker podcast. And this week, we're so fortunate to have Adrienne DeSutter with us. Um, she was, we were fortunate to have Adrienne as one of the presenters for our, our series, Seven Weeks to Ensure Your Farm Survival. And so, we actually did that as a Zoom meeting in our branches. So, we got Zoom kind of broke in before it got really cool to use. So, and we've had a lot change in the in the, the whole thing since January, February in the, the mental health arena and ag and you know the whole world basically. So Heather, start off, Adrian. Why don't you kind of introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and and how we can get a hold of you if uh, somebody wants to. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me, Chris. This is a mental health is a topic that really uh, it relates to everyone, and for some reason we don't we don't think of mental health in the same way as we think phys- physical health, and we think you know mental health is just someone who has depression or who has issues or something and. Mental health really, it's the same as physical health. We we all have it. We all have it on kind of a continuum. It's either, you know, we're doing great sometimes, we're not doing great sometimes, we're really not doing great sometimes, you know, and, um, and you know, so this is, it's something that everyone has to hear. And it's a message and a topic that we all have to kind of be aware of. So I appreciate you prioritizing the topic. I, uh, I'm, I was a school counselor, um, for several years and have a master's degree in counseling. So my background is in mental health. Um, but I was so fortunate to meet a man who I call Farmer Drew, who is now my husband, and uh, and enter the world of agriculture uh, almost nine years ago now. And um, I grew up in rural Illinois and surrounded by cornfields. But I'll tell you that I, uh, growing up, didn't know that what was in those fields. I didn't know when they, when it was corn, when it was beans or what it was. Cause I was that far removed from agriculture, even though I was surrounded by it. So, um, meeting, meeting a farmer and being immersed right away into the agriculture world was really eye opening. And, um, and as someone with, you know, some mental health background, uh, you know, I could see very quickly that it was a stressful occupation, a unique occupation, uh, so much that I'd call it a lifestyle, <laughs> you know, it's, it's much more than just a job. So, um, so I met my husband, we, uh, we started having kiddos about four years ago. And so I'm home with the kids and, um, and unfortunately, you know, my husband and I have always we always found it interesting the amount of uh, farm families in our area that that seem to be going through stress and and unfortunately in 2018 we lost a family friend to suicide uh, and at that time we really felt like you know we needed to step up and and start talking more and because in 2018 uh, mental health and agriculture were two things you never didn't really hear in the same sentence, in the same conversation. 
So, um, so we, we weren't sure what to do. And, and, and to be honest with you, we didn't have a, we didn't have a story. We didn't have a connection or so we thought, um, that would be intriguing for people to listen to. You know, why would anyone want to listen to someone talk about mental health and agriculture? Um, and it hit me recently that, that we do have a story (laughs) and, and that we all have a story. And, you know, for us, um, we were going through in 2018 when this all happened, we were going through a lot of stress at home. Um, things were really rocky. We had just had our second kid and, um, we were, we were, we were not in a good place in our marriage and not in a good place as a family. Um, because we all have those times, right? We all have roller coaster lives. And, um, and, and so our story became, and my husband and I decided we weren't going to let our story become a tragedy. We weren't going to wait for a tragedy to happen or for something bad to happen in our lives before we started speaking out. Because unfortunately, I think that's what happens when it comes to mental health is we, you know, we, we wait for something bad to happen. And then you think, okay, we probably better talk about this. But, um, you know, we, we were at a pretty low point and, and we didn't want to have a suicide in our family. We didn't want to have a divorce in our family. Um, and so we decided to take control and we decided we were going to start advocating and we were going to start doing the things that we were advocating on. So, you know, we were, we talked about you know, I've, I've been doing some presentations on stress management tips and, and, um, we, so we've been implementing some of those things at home. And, um, so yeah, so we have kind of an interesting story, I guess, a story, non-story that, that, uh, this is just a topic that became something that we've really started living out. And, um, so now I, uh, use that, that background and that experience to share presentations, um, on mental health and how we can do a better job in agriculture across the country. And I also um, have a social media presence as well. Now I'm uh, on Twitter as So Hope Grow Hope and Facebook as well as So Hope Grow Hope. Um, Just with the idea that the more that we we plant these seeds of hope and these messages of, um, you know, what the reality is like in agriculture, the, the more that we can really impact each other and, and grow that hope and grow the positive stories rather than the tragedies. So, so that's who I am. <laughs> yeah. Now, if I remember right, you have kids, you just had your third. Is that right? That is correct. Yep. I have a one month old son. That was our first son. And we have a, a four year old daughter and a two and a half year old daughter. So we, uh, I always say we have a, a, a small herd of cattle just as hobby farmers. Uh, we have, you know, we're, my husband's in a fourth generation corn and soybean farm. Um, and then we have a, a little bit of cattle and, and then we have a small herd of children at home as well. So, yeah. so we stay busy. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the, uh, you know, I think about as your kids grow up and things is like, boy, it's uh, I, I made the mistake one time of my, uh, I think, man, if I ever get my daughter, who's now 20, fixing to be 22 or 23, I guess, get my ears right. Yeah. Fixing to be 23. <laughs> I was like, man, once I ever get him walk in and out of diaper, I'd have him, I'd have more control. And somebody said, no, it's like you, the more older they get, the more less control you have. And, and they were right. It's like, well, like that wasn't my plan. But, Chris, uh, you're not supposed to tell me that. I'm a mother of no, children and I'm trying to stay hopeful over here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. As one, I heard somebody say once too, it's like, well, at least now I may can keep them strapped in a, uh, uh, a car seat or something. But, 
yeah, that's uh, it gets a little more adventurous as they get older, but uh, at least you probably got the good background to handle all everything correctly. You know, <laughs> so, I, I know a lot of theories and I've read a lot of books, but there's there's something different when you got to put it into practice. I'll tell you that it's not as easy, uh, not as easy as it looks. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like everyone's a little different too. Every kid's different and got the uniqueness, so you can't use the same playbook. That's either, right, so. that's just like farmers, right? And just like people in our mental health, we're all you know. You can't give the same stress tips to each person because it kind of everything works a little different differently for everyone so so start off with like what do you think or how would you describe to somebody that sees like you know how is farming or stress in agriculture different than anything else what would be the first three four things that just pop off top of your head of why agriculture is different yeah and chris that's a really good question because it is agriculture is unique. This is a unique industry. And, um, you know, I, when my husband and I first started kind of doing some research on the statistics when it comes to agriculture and mental health, um, we were finding that farmers and ranchers do sort of top the list when it comes to, um, you know, percentages with depression or with anxiety or, uh, you know, even suicide, substance use, um, stress-related fatalities, so like heart conditions and things like that that, that lead to death. Um, farming and agriculture is at near the top of all of these lists, and that's a really frightening thing. Um, and and I said when I, when I was a counselor, I thought, well, this can't be because I think counselors should be at the top of this list, right? And, and I'm sure my you know teacher friends say, well, no, teachers should be at the top of this list or nurses should be at the top of this list. And just because we all do go through stressful periods. And so, um, so, you know, it's important to recognize that we all have stress. We're not saying farmers are the only ones that have stress or have difficult situations that they have to go through as part of their jobs. Um, but farmers are at the top of these lists for a reason. And I think, you know, there's a, there's several factors that make it unique as an industry. And, um, we see the rest of the country and the rest of the world facing some of these unique qualities right now as we're in this coronavirus pandemic. Um, for example, isolation. That is, um, you know, a li- the lifestyle that farmers and ranchers live is a very isolated one. You're in the middle of nowhere a lot of times. You're working with, you know, just your family. Um, you, you talk to your spouse. You talk to maybe your kids and your parents, uh, whoever's on your 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 farm, essentially, um, that's the people that you live with and the people that you work with. And that's about it. Um, because that's just the nature of how this career works and how this lifestyle works being in, in a rural America. Um, so there's definitely some of that, that, you know, even me working in a rural school, I still had other, other, uh, coworkers to, to vent to, or to talk through a problem with or something. And that's not something that farmers always have. Um, there's also, you know, again, much like this pandemic, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of things out of our control in agriculture. Um, you know, whether that's commodity, whether that's prices, whether that's trade wars, I mean, there's uh, pandemics that get in the way of our, you know, our supply chain and the, and, and how we, um, are able to, you know, outsource all of our, our products. And so, um, so there's a lot of stuff that goes on that is just completely out of your control, and that can that really eats at your uh, at your brain essentially. It really, you know, you you feel like you're doing the best you can, 
um, at something and something completely out of your control comes and just wipes it away. Whether, again, that's a, a weather related thing or whether it's a disease in your livestock. Um, so, so it's really, it's tough to deal with those things when you're putting in so many hours and so much work and so much effort and then something completely out of your control can really, um, really make a difference. And I think the key thing is that it makes a difference. You know, there's, there's, you know, in counseling for me or in my job, if I lost my job, for example, you know, I'd go get another one. I'd use my skills that I had learned and my degree and whatever, and I'd apply for a new job where in farming, um, you know, you've put all of your money, you've put all of your time and effort into, you know, buying fields or buying livestock or investing in these things. And so when that doesn't work out, when these uncontrollable factors take that farm away, you're left with nothing or so it feels. Um, so it's, it's just a very volatile industry um, that's very extreme and can really make or break you, you know, regardless of the, the energy and the efforts that you put into it. So, uh, so yeah, agriculture, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a stressful industry for sure. Yeah, because, you, you know, it's kind of interesting talking about, like, like you mentioned, like you could do the best that you possibly can. And then by these unforeseen deals, it just still doesn't work. Right. You know, it just makes it, it does. And, and I think the other part of it is there's no escape from it. I mean, you're when you're working a nine to five job or, or even other jobs that have maybe busy periods or whatever, you you go home and at least you have a break or you have a weekend and you have a little bit of a break or you can take a vacation or whatever. And with farming, um, that's just not always the case or it's just not always easy. I can tell you for us, you know, we have on our farm, um, you know, we have our busy spring and our busy harvest, which we, we, we don't have employees here. So, you know, we manage it all. Um, so my husband, he puts in, you know, 12, 14, 16 hour days for weeks on end during those times. Um, and then we have bailing because we have cattle as well. So we have a busy bailing season in the summer. And then in the winter, uh, we haul all of our grain. So it's very busy hauling and very busy then with some of our other events, um, our advocacy events and things. So, you know, there's just no escape from it. You, 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 you can't go just take a vacation without lining a lot of things up because you have cattle to feed or whatever. So it's just, it's just, it's just different. And in addition to that, there's a stigma, you know, and there's this stereotype that farmers should do it all. Farmers should be tough and should be strong and should, and you're invincible. And because your, your dad did it all. And because your grandpa or your uncles or your grandma or whoever was on your farm before you, has pushed so hard to make it work that that's what you have to do too, is pull up your bootstraps and push so hard all the time. Uh, and that can really, really weigh on you in a different way than in, in some other industries. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, I grew up on a farm. My, you know, my folks, uh, my dad and uncle still farm together. And I remember, you know, when I first got married, uh, uh, I always tell a story. I don't know. My wife appreciates it sometimes, but you know, she talked about going on a vacation. I was like, what it's a vacation because you know it's a little bit like yours you know you you know an irrigated farm here in southwest kansas and they ran cattle in the winter and and there's just always something going on and, and just not having that chance to take a break and just you know a lot of it just kind of depends on on how you're wired too a little bit but uh you know it's just one of those deals that we just worked and that was 
yeah, no big right. deal. <laughs> there, you know, but not having that time to uh, decompress, I think, is or learning how to do that, I think, is tough. Too. And I like that you say that, learning how to do, because you do have to learn how to do it. I mean, not necessarily a, a week long vacation, but we do have to learn to take moments, even even if it's five minute breaks in our days. We have to to figure out how to work that out because no one can run 24 seven, 365. And that is the way that farmers do it. Um, and then you get to a breaking point, you know, and that's what we're seeing in agriculture. That's why we see high rates of depression and anxiety and stress related fatalities and suicides, you know, it, it, not, we can't just keep running ourselves into the ground. And that's something that men in particular, um, statistically struggle with is when, when you're faced with a situation that's stressful, um, you know, men are more likely to, to try and hide from it, try to keep themselves busy, try to work, you know, to keep themselves distracted from whatever is causing them stress. So instead of confronting an issue and kind of dealing with it, uh, they just push even harder. Um, and, and that works for some people. And if it works for you, total kudos to you, but, but for the majority of the world, that's just not the way it works. You have to be able to find time in your life to slow down. And so that's definitely something that, that we can afford to do. And, and, you know, like I said, that can be five minutes of your day when you start to feel yourself getting heated about something or frustrated when you're working on equipment or whatever, just taking a few minutes here or there to just remove yourself for a second, take a little walk or, um, you know, taking a lunch break. That was one thing for me in, in my job that I never did. And I, I could tell that was a mistake. So that's something, you know, making sure you're getting meals, making sure you're getting some sleep. Those are, those are really basic things that we take for granted in agriculture that we need to, we need to make sure we're, we're taking care of ourselves like we, like we would the rest of our farm. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I, you know, how's, so like, if you're listening to this, like, how do you go about finding what works for you? I guess. Um, cause that could be like, say everybody's different. Cause what works, somebody just, uh, could be just getting out and, and staying busy helps them get through stuff or that could be really bad for somebody else. What's the best way to figure that out? Do you yeah. Think, that's a, that's a great question because that is, you know, a lot of people say to me or ask me, so what is, what do we do to maintain our stress or, or not get too stressed or how do we deal with this? And my first answer is, you know, I can't, I'm not the pro at that. You're the expert at that. As an individual, each person deals with stress in different ways and, and requires different things to keep them balanced and, and to keep, you know, do what works for them. And, and so I think my number one, my number one suggestion for you is don't wait for the stress for a stressful situation to try and figure out what works. So don't wait until you're in the middle of your harvest or the middle of your planting season and you're, and you're starting to really break down and starting to really, you know, uh, have those disagreements on the farm or you're, you're, losing sleep because you're you have so much anxiety or whatever whatever that stress is for you don't wait for it to be so bad that your mind isn't thinking clearly because that's what happens when we're stressed our mind doesn't think clearly like the way your brain actually functions you you lose the ability to think clearly and do things productively and so um, when we wait for those moments it's a lot harder to figure it out it's a lot harder to figure out the you know how to get out of that situation. You kind of, it's kind of like digging a hole that you've dug so deep that it's, you can get out, but it's a lot harder to get out. 
Um, so, so that's my number one is just, you know, practice it in your off seasons, practice it and practice looking for those things all the time rather than just waiting for stress. Um, but I think that, you know, how to find what works for you. Number one, you start with the basics. Like I said, the eating, the sleeping, the exercise, the stuff that we hear all the time, drink water, stay hydrated. You know, those are health things that actually really do make a difference. And so that's, that's always my number one, you know, suggestion is where to start is, is just making sure that you're taking care of yourself. Because if you think about it, you know, you, if, if you raise, raise livestock, you know, you would never just say, okay, we'll figure it out cows, <laughs> you know, right. You would never just say, well, you're on your own, take care of yourself. No, what we do as farmers is we take care of livestock. We take care of our equipment. We take care of our crops. We're, we're constantly, that's our job. You're professional care, caregivers, right? <laughs> and so you're, you're, you're pros at it. Um, but you got to do it to yourself too. You've got to make sure that you're caring for yourself in the same way. And we know that our, our, our cows, for example, need a certain amount of protein and they need a certain amount of, of this and that vaccinations, whatever. We know what it takes for them to, uh, to stay healthy. And, and so we have to know that about ourselves too. Um, so in those off seasons, you know, uh, starting with the basics, but then, there are a billion different things um, that can help you with stress. I always joke that we hear about like yoga and essential essential oils and things like that. And obviously that may not be the best suggestion for farmers, right? We're just all different. We just don't all have time for the same types of things or we don't all resonate with the same types of stress management things. But but something I've heard that works well for, for lots of people um, is gratitude. So farmers can really work that in pretty easily, right? You 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 drive to and from the farm, or you take a walk out to the field to check something. You you have little bits of your day that you're alone. You're in the tractor. You're in the in the semi, whatever it is. You have alone time, and you can use that time productively. So trying out maybe saying three things at the end of the day that you were thankful for. Um, maybe in the morning you say a morning prayer if you're a spiritual person to, to say what it is that you're thankful for or hopeful for in that day. Um, just taking the, that time to, to focus on something positive is good because farmers don't always, um, they don't always, they're not always intentional with that. And so it's good to be intentional about something you're grateful for or something that's positive. Um, another thing to try is just, uh, the way you talk to yourself, right? The the perspective that you have. Um, farmers are really, really awesome at perspective. You can take you can take dirt, and you can look at dirt as being something that is opportunistic and something that is, uh, you know something that is rich and something that is going to help growth. And, and you look at, at something as simple as dirt and see this value in it. So you have this uncanny ability to have a positive perspective about things that other people normally wouldn't. Because I'll tell you what, when I see dirt, I don't think anything good. I think messy and I think I don't want it in my house and, and I don't want it there. But you, but you take something as simple as dirt and you have this great perspective about it. So you have this ability to see things that other people don't see. And that's something that I would challenge you to uh challenge you to, to practice in other areas of your life, you know, instead of looking at a, at a situation as being negative, 
how can you challenge that negative thought? How can you say, oh, we're never going to get any rain? Well, how can you switch that to, okay, well, you know, every year we say this and we do always get some rain, so it's going to come, right? Or how can you say, you know, I'm, I really feel like this year we're not going to make any money. Well, that's okay. That's, that, that's reality for some farmers, you know? Um, so it's not bad to have a thought like that, but then how can you challenge that thought with hope and say, but you know what, but, but even if we, even if we have to sell things, even if we have to get out of farming, there's still life outside of farming. There's still, there's still hope for me as a human and, and for our family. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's other ways to look at things as, rather than just looking at things negatively. So those are all just a few little things that, that you can try. And like I said, those things you need to try on the off season or, or when you're feeling good, how can you start to implement a little bit of a routine of taking care of yourself with basics, with the way you're talking to yourself, uh, expressing gratitude, those types of things. So it's almost like you need to uh, develop the habits, but when you don't, you don't have that stress hitting you all the time. Or is that a yeah. better way to, or way yes, to think yes, about that? Yes, exactly. Or? How do you put it into a routine? How do you make that? How do you make those things a habit? Because you're much more likely to jump into, uh, you know, to using those tips and tools when you're stressed, if you've already got them in a habit, rather than if you're just trying to pull something out of a hat when you, when you're frustrated, something isn't working. So it gave me to think about, you know, one of the things I was um, visiting with somebody about the other day, it was like um, having somebody to talk to. And I guess there's a little bit differences and I guess, depend on what kind of farm or business or whatever situation, you know, because sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe your example, it's your husband and you, or maybe you have another partner. Is there a, how, is there a good way to hold each other accountable, no matter what your setup is to kind of reinforce some of that or make those kind of decisions ahead of time, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to talking to having someone to kind of talk to, I think you want to make sure that you're finding someone who is a good listener rather than someone who's going to give you a lot of advice. Um, I think that's a mistake that we make is we're really quick when we're trying to communicate with each other. We're really quick to, to want to fix things, especially in agriculture. That's something that we do. We fix things. We make things work. Um, and, and when it comes to stress and when it comes to problematic situations, uh, sometimes for our mental health, we just need to get it out. You know, we don't need it fixed. We just need to get it out. Uh, for example, my, my husband came home. Oh, let's see when it was. I think it was last fall. We were getting, we were trying to wrap up our harvest and um, he had gotten almost done with one field and the rain just started and it was just a torrential rainfall. And so he came home and he was a couple, you know, couple, uh, a little bit short of finishing that field, a couple rows short of finishing the field. And he came home and he was so angry because he just wanted to have that one done, right? And and so the first thing I did was I started to think, well, how can I fix this problem? He's angry. I, want, I don't want him to be angry anymore. So how can I fix this? And I, and I said, well, maybe next time, you know, you should pay closer attention to the weather, weather or take the weatherman a little more seriously. And um, that was not the right thing to say. <laughs> and he did not take that well. And, and, you know, all I kept doing was feeding these, well, maybe if this, and maybe if this, and next time this, and I'm trying to come up with all these fix it things. And it didn't end in a good conversation that it didn't, uh, it didn't make things any better. 
And, and, you know, later on I said, what could I have done that would have done, that would have been more helpful, more productive as a, as when you were trying to vent. And he said, I didn't need help. You know, I didn't need you to fix the problem. I just needed you to hear the problem. And I thought, okay, that, that is a huge, you know, duh moment for me as a counselor. That's like the number one skill you learn in counseling is how to be a listener. And here I wasn't even doing it. And so, you know, that was something that I've really tried to put into practice now. Um, you know, I know this spring, uh, my husband called me from his planter and he was super mad because we had a 90% chance of rain that day and he had it in his mind he was going to come home and work on these certain house projects and uh, he he called me and he said a couple choice words about his frustration <laughs> with the way things were working out, that the rain hadn't come. Um, and instead of being a fix it fixer, I said, I'm really sorry, Drew. I know that you had this in mind that you want to do these other things. And then sometimes it really feels like it's not fair, you know, and, and saying something like that, that was listening to the problem that was not trying to solve it, but just expressing some empathy with the situation, kind of validating, yes, it's okay for you to feel bad right now, was all he needed. And you know what? That conversation lasted a five minutes, and by the end of it, he was laughing and cracking jokes, and he said, well, we'll see you later. And um, so I guess that's something that I, I think is really important, is that we you know, look for someone to talk to and, and be that person ourselves um, who can show that empathy and show that it's okay to, to have stressful moments and, and, you know, and, and close your mouth and just open your ears for a while um, to, to really hear what the problems are for people and just allow them to have that time. So yeah, finding someone that can do that doesn't matter who it is, but again, you know, that's something we always want to be looking for is someone in our life, whether it be a, a, a spouse or a, a child or a parent or, or someone off the farm, you know, sometimes it's refreshing to just have those breaks from farm conversations. Um, just have a, just have someone that does, isn't involved in agriculture that you can uh, get a little break with. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times too, I, it probably doesn't matter too. I think whether you're on the farm or like, you know, running a bank or whatever, you know, you kind of get trained to fixing mm -hmm. problems. And sometimes I think you just go into the default mode and just don't think like you're exactly right. I think sometimes you just need somebody just to listen and understand and not really, you know, go into automatic fix it mode, which I kind of, I can, I got tendencies that way for <laughs> sure to kind of, oh, well, I can fix this. And like, oh, just nah, be quiet. <laughs> listen. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, definitely, no. you're right. And, and, and it is, you know, talking to people involved in agriculture in some way is, is sometimes helpful because they understand more of what you're saying. They can, again, kind of, kind of validate that they know what you're going through. And I think that's a lot of when people, whether they're struggling with something as serious as depression um, or just having a rough day or having a rough time, I think a lot of times what we're really missing is, is feeling understood, you know, and, and feeling like you're not going crazy. You're not, you're not totally out of bounds with your thought process. Sometimes you just want someone to say, yeah, you know, farming is really tough right now. <laughs> this time is really tough right now. And that's okay for you to have moments of, of needing to, to take a break. You know, we, we create this culture in agriculture that we just, you're not allowed to take a break. You're not allowed. You just got to push through it. And, and, you know, I guess, having these young children in our house right now, I, I always think 
what kind of example are we setting if that's the mentality we're always going to have? You know, my husband the other day, uh, he felt really unproductive. He came home and, and it was one of those days where nothing got checked off the to-do list. He was still working all day, very hard, but he didn't get any one thing done. And so he came home just really frustrated and feeling really defeated and just said, I just don't get anything done some days. And and I was holding our son, who at the time was two weeks old, and I handed him to him. And I said, you know, what would you say to your son if he said that to you? If he, if he when he's 10 years old, when he's 20 years old, whatever, if he's out working, you know, all day long on something, or he's worked really hard for something, and, and he didn't quite get it finished yet, would you tell him, well, you, you guess you were worthless today, <laughs> you know, would you tell him, oh, should have tried harder, you know, no, you wouldn't tell him that, you'd say, hey, man, you worked really hard all day today, and, and you're that much closer than to, to being done with those things than you were yesterday, and that's great, um, and I think sometimes that if we had a, a mentality like that, you know, and, and really focused on setting a good example for our children and, and even for our parents who, again, are work really hard and push themselves down into the ground sometimes. Sometimes if we just set an example for other farmers that it is okay to take a vacation, it is okay to take a break, it is okay that if you wake up one morning at eight o'clock, you know, that's, that's not wrong. <laughs> you sleeping in a little bit. That's okay. You know, when you're working yourselves late at night. So, um, I just think that's, that it, the way that, the way that we are right now, you know, if we want to break this culture and we want to make sure our, our future farmers can stay mentally fit to continue in agriculture, you know, we have to start setting that example now of, of, of finding healthy ways to do it. Yeah, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because there, there is kind of, uh, and I don't know if it's a kind of a comparison deal or what, that, you know, you don't want to be seen as the one taking the vacation or sleeping in or, I don't know, I guess it just, I don't know, there's weird connotations that way, I guess, that as far as, you know, way people perceive other farmers and maybe you feel like, oh, if I don't do this and they're going to think bad about me and do you notice that very much? Or oh, is yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. And actually, um on my on my Twitter account on um, So Hope Grow Hope, I at one point I had posted something on Twitter about comparison and the response from other farmers is just overwhelming. I mean, peop, you know what I'm talking about. You know, when we talk about comparison in agriculture, everyone knows that it's there. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is just um, just the semantics. For You know, we, we raise crops and so they're on public display. Any farmer can come see them at any time. And so you're going to look at your crops compared to other crops because they're right out there. Anytime we drive to church, we drive by five different fields, you know, so we're constantly um, just being pushed into that, that opportunity to compare what we're doing with, with those that other people are doing. Um, and I don't think all comparison is bad by any means. I think it's okay to kind of see where you stand. That's fine. But you have to know you. You have to know your health and your mentality. And if that comparison is going to drive you to do better, then great. But if that comparison is going to drive you to depression, drive you to think, I'm not, I'm, I'm worthless at this. I'm not as good at this. I don't feel like I'm stacking up to everyone else. You know, that's not a, that's not a healthy way to think or live. 
Um, so you kind of have to know your own limits, but it, it, it is very interesting to see how people compare. And again, that happens in every field in some way, but I think, um, I think agriculture being so publicly displayed, uh, with your, with your product is part of what makes it really easy for us to do that. Yeah, it's serious because I have one of our friends, he's always, you know, had a field on the highway and it's like, that's always where the skip was when he's planting wheat and stuff was right where everybody could see it. So you get all those phone calls and people just, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of making fun at you, if anything, giving you a hard time. But, you know, it's kind of those deals you're kind of conscious of, you know, because it's usually always the field that everybody drives by. That yeah, of course. <laughs> So like when you have those anxiety deals, you know, because I was reading one of the deals that uh, on your Twitter feed, you know, talking about anxiety versus anxiety mm -hmm. disorder. How do you like so how do you tell the difference of what's really something to worry about or what is just kind of normal, I guess, or just, you know, things that are OK to worry yeah. about, I guess. That's a great question, too, because. Because in, 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 again, every, in any industry, but particularly in agriculture, um, we all deal with stress of some sort. And when we first started talking about mental health in agriculture, I think some farmers thought, well, of course we're going to have, we're all stressed. We're all going through this. You know, that one person isn't any more stressed than anybody else. And the thing is, we are all different people and the same exact situation could happen to two different farmers, you know, the same amount of rain, the same amount of, uh, you know, whatever it is, um, could happen to two farmers and they could perceive that situation completely different and their amount of stress could be completely different. Um, I can tell you in our home, when things happen on the farm, my husband gets a lot more stressed than I do about them, right? Um, and, and part of that's because he's the one directly, you know, managing the farm and the cattle and all that. And, um, but the thing is, we, you have to know yourself. You have to know what stress looks like for you. You have to know what triggers your stress. Um, and then you have to know, you know, kind of how, what you do with that. So for example, someone who just has anxiety, who has some stress or ha has an anxiety about something, you know, we're going to see some different, um, uh, you can see some physical symptoms, we'll call them. You might get stomach aches or hand aches or back aches, aches and pains, illnesses, those types of things. You may see more of that when you have anxiety or if you have an anxiety disorder. Um, you may see symptoms in the way that you behave. You may see that you're eating a lot less or eating a lot more. You may see um, that you're driven to to drink. And I'm not just talking about grabbing a beer, you know, because it's happy hour or something. I'm talking about, you know, using that to calm you down on a regular basis, you know, without, without being in control of it. Um, I think, I know in our house, we definitely know that, that we see stress in the way our moods are and the way we talk. Um, I get a lot, I get frustrated. And so I'll, you know, lose my patience more. Um, my husband's the same way where his, his stress is usually in frustration about things. And so, so we have a shorter fuse, you could say, with each other and with ourselves. Um, so those are all, you know, different symptoms or signs of stress. And the way that we know that it's kind of becoming too much is, um, is when you're out of control, essentially, when it's something that you can't say, okay, I'm stressed about this right now, but I know in a few minutes or in a half hour, or, or if I go take this quick break, it's going to be fine. 
and then it's fine. You know, that's just having an anxious moment or that's just having a stressful moment. And that's okay. We all have that. But when it gets to the point where it's out of control, where you can't turn it off, um, where you're becoming someone who you don't really want to be, I think that's a big part of it is when you're saying this is taking control of me and I'm doing things right now that I don't want to be doing and I'm saying things I don't want to say and I just have lost control. Um, I think those are kind of your biggest red flags. I will tell you that the National, I think it's the National Institute of Mental Health um, specifically has, you know, some things to look for. And that is that when those symptoms, when you're kind of have a lot of those things I mentioned, if you have lots of those things going on, some multiple symptoms, and you have them for more than two weeks, um, then that is a, kind of a sign that, again, you're kind of not able to stay in control. And so that might be a time where you want to talk to your doctor about what some options are. Um, because, you know, that's when we know that things are, are not as in control. So yeah, multiple signs showing them over a couple weeks time, but really it's different for everyone. And so again, it's important to know yourself, know your family members, kind of know what makes you tick. And once you've been intentional about discovering that about yourself and the people around you, um, then, then you, then you notice when something's off a little bit better, you notice if those, um, things that are making you tick are a little more, uh, often or, or, um, yeah, or a little more severe. Yeah. And it kind of seems like too, to me, and I don't know if you see this in other places, but a lot of times we're probably, um, the people that closest to us that we love the most are ones we lose control with the fastest, maybe. Would that be I think it's like you're living in my home, Chris, when you say that. Oh. <laughs> yes. I mean, absolutely. Usually, and I this is just a statistic even, but when it comes to agriculture, the people that, that typically um, see more of those signs of, of distress or signs of even uh, potential, you know, mental health conditions and even suicide, the people who see those signs, whether they know their signs or not, um, are typically spouses or, or close family members. Um, but it is interesting because again, even though there's statistics to say that people are all very different. And so, you know, you may have no idea what someone's going through, um, even though you see them regularly, you may have no idea if you're not, uh, if you don't know what kind of symptoms to look for and if you're not being vigilant. So that's something to really keep in mind of is, you know, this is why it's important to not only know the signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression, but also, you know, to really know people, know if something's off and then don't be afraid to say something to them. Um, we don't want to, we don't want to wait for someone else to ask for help. We always, we really, that's something that we make the mistake of when it comes to mental health is we always push this whole ask for help, ask for help, get yourself help. And the thing is the people that need help the most are the least likely to ask for it. Um, for many different reasons. And, and so we have to be, you know, that's kind of where my so hope grow hope came from is the whole concept again, that, that we have to create this, this culture of hope and this culture of empathy for others and, and caring for others. And if we can do that, the more hope and the more positivity and the more, you know, caring compassion that we can give, then we show those people who aren't able to ask for help. We show them that, that we're a safe place to talk to. We're a safe person to talk to. We're, a, um, you know, we're, we're becoming an industry that you don't just have to pull your bootstraps up every time because at some point you're not going to be able to, and that's okay. And we're going to be here helping you do that. 
So that's a good point because, like, you know, I was talking to a friend one day, you know, had a one of his good friends actually uh, recently commit suicide. And, you know, he, the way he was talking was like, I think a lot of people don't know what to do. Like, you know, he knew he had um, some things he was working through. And then when you throw in everything else with the pandemic going on, how's the best way to approach somebody if you have like, I was like, I think there's a problem here. How do you, what's the best way to engage that conversation? And, and cause you worry about too, like, you know, I say getting shot out, shut out or losing a friend or, um, you know, out of the, something like that. I think people fear that as well. How's the best way to bridge that conversation? I think that it's a very, very valid concern. It totally is. Um, it's, it's worrisome that, you know, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm calling this person out and I'm wrong and they're, then they're frustrated with me or I'm embarrassed about it. And, and I definitely get that. But I think, I think the best way I can describe this is I had a, um, a family who had lost someone to suicide and they reached out to me after I started advocating and they, you know, were, were glad that the conversations were happening. Um, and they wished more people would know the signs and, and they wished that someone had asked their dad, you know, why didn't someone have the courage when they noticed something to ask, you know, cause now he's gone. And that's what we have to remember is that I understand it's awkward. I do. And it never isn't awkward. You can say the word suicide 400 times and it's still kind of awkward to say, um, but what's more awkward? Is it more awkward to have that conversation or is it more awkward to, to, to stand in a visitation line? You know, I mean, the, the, the family friend we lost by suicide, I can tell you the whole time that we were in that really long line and then having to go talk to our good friend who had just lost his dad and, and, and hug his, you know, widow. I mean, that was a lot more awkward than had someone noticed something and just went up and said, what's going on, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, the family that reached out to me, they even said, they said, people don't even say our dad's name anymore because they don't want to make us uncomfortable. And she, she said to me, I wish someone would make themselves uncomfortable because we have to live with this. We have to live with this discomfort every day of him being gone and all these questions and all these, you know, these conflicts in their mind of discomfort. And, and so we just, we have to be courageous people and we just have to, to be willing to, to potentially save someone and save an entire family and save an entire community because the loss of even one person affects so many people. Um, so I think more clearly, yes, if you're ready to have that conversation or you notice those signs with someone, I think the best thing you can do is be honest. Um, you can say things in a way that's more natural to you. You know, I'm not going to just walk up to someone and say, are you committing, are you considering suicide? You know, that's not natural. That's not empathetic and genuine, but something that I do say to people and I have multiple times is I'm, I'm seeing that you're acting differently. I noticed you didn't, you aren't doing this and this and this. I, there's a, a guy I know who, um, when he has depressive episodes, he stops playing with his children his children no longer give him joy. And so that would be a time for me as his, if, you know, if I was a spouse or a close friend, that would be a time for me to say, Hey, I noticed that, you know, things that used to give you enjoyment, like your kids, you're not hanging around them anymore. Um, is everything okay? 
you know, so, so pointing out things you notice, being genuine, showing that you actually really do care about the answer. You're actually listening to the answer. You're not listening to respond. You're listening to hear what they're saying. I think those are some good starting tips and some good starting points. And, and don't be afraid to use the word suicide or to say, you know, it doesn't have to be right away, but in the conversation. So have you thought about hurting yourself? So is this to a point I need to be concerned about you? You know, whatever it is that you're comfortable saying that, that, that isn't beating around the bush, they need to know exactly what your fears are. It's okay to say, I'm afraid for you. I'm, I'm worried about you. Um, I, I don't know what is going on here, but I'm here with you and I want to help you get through this. What can I do to help you through this? Those are all just different statements that speak truth and speak, um, you know, just genuine, genuine compassion. That's what people need to hear. That makes a lot of sense, you know, because sometimes I think, you know, it's just hard to have those conversations. And um, I was listening to my cousin. He actually was, uh, I guess, really good to listen to, too. It was like um, on the Shark Farmer podcast. My, my cousin, Brant Peterson, was on there and talked a lot uh, about when his dad committed suicide and what it felt like. And and I think what he was telling me, I was talking to him later is like, you know, I think people miss that. Um, and maybe you talked about too, as well. Some other deals I've read is like, you know, being real and telling what the real truth is. Um, and just basically, this is a straight talk. This is kind of what is really happening. This is what I really feel. And it seems like that is to me as big as anything, just to kind of, like I said, be genuine and just like, you know, I'm worried, um, I guess. And just not trying to, uh, seems like we all have, and maybe seems like sometimes social media is one of the deals that actually uh, doesn't help in this situation, but almost like everybody has a front, right? They try to put up and versus getting into what they're really feeling or really talking about. It's kind of a, uh, to me, kind of sometimes a challenge to work. Through. Absolutely. Well, and, and I think social media can help and hurt us in, in that sense, because you're right. It looks like everyone's living this perfect world because, you know, I'm not going to post the we have family pictures tomorrow night with my toddlers and my newborn and, and my cranky husband. And, and so, you know, we're going to put the pictures up that look good. We're not going to put the 10,000 pictures up first that are us going through chaos just to get that one good picture. Right. And that is what social media does is that it puts up our one good picture, you know, and, and that's something that then we again go back to that comparison and we say, well, how come they look so great or how come, how come they're going on these vacations or being able to do these things that we're not able to do? And it makes me feel bad about myself and whatnot. Um, but I do think the good thing about social media is that we see, we're starting to see more, more of that realness, more of that genuineness. People are, are starting, uh, especially on Twitter, I think are starting to post some things now or share some things about their lifestyle that, that is more real. And when you can do that, you make those connections. The minute you see someone get a little vulnerable, talk about something that isn't so great, you can relate to that. And that's on, on, I've been really impressed, honestly, with the agriculture community on Twitter um, in the past year. Or so I hasn't even been a full year that I've had Twitter, but I, um, you know, my, I've been really impressed to see people really open up and share truth. That's something I really focus on on there is sharing truth because again, 
we're all going through these things, you know, and that's why when I post something about going through a struggle about comparison or going through a struggle about, you know, the weather or whatever it is, and you see all sorts of people liking it or, you know, whatever the terminology is, uh, or sharing it or retweeting or whatever, because, because I'm not the only one going through these things. Our family, our farm family isn't the only one. We're all going through these, these issues in some way or another. Um, and, and so it kind of creates this community of, okay, I'm not alone. Okay. I'm not as isolated as I thought I was. Uh, and, and that can kind of give us a little more hope and help us, you know, crawl out of that sense of worthlessness that sometimes we unfortunately can get to in stressful moments. Yeah. It reminds me of a time, uh, one of my cousins, when I was, uh, or, you know, back with the credit crisis and things like that. And banking wasn't very easy in a lot of areas. And I remember she told me one time, I was like, you know, it's okay to say it just sucks. You know, I was like, man, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fun right now. You know, and I think just maybe, you know, to me is like, just learn to be able to say that every once in a while or kind of, you know, not try to the, yeah, sugarcoat it or whatever. It's like, man, it's just bad right now. It's like, we're going to figure out a way how to do this. And, and uh, yeah, just sometimes just that. And I think one thing you're saying like Twitter sometimes is definitely a little more unfiltered, I think. Uh, and they just say whatever it is. And I think that's like, like I said, I kind of helps build that community because you're not alone. Right. That's And it's that simple. I mean, that's, that's part of what Twitter and Facebook and, and, you know, part of this social media thing is, is it shows us that there are other people going through some of the same things that we are. And when we have that, then that feeling of being misunderstood or lonely or isolated, or, you know, we're the only ones that, that experience that, you know, that started, that dissipates, it goes away, you know, we, you just feel a little bit better knowing that you're not the only one, I think sometimes. And some, so sometimes, you know, it doesn't have to be someone again, solving your problem or, or fixing things, or you don't have to go into it with into stressful situations with some, you know, with the mentality that I have to get rid of this. It's just that whole idea of acknowledging that stress happens. Things suck sometimes. Um, and that's okay. And other people, other people get it. You know, they may not get exactly what you're going through. Uh, but they, but they get that when you're going through a bad time, that it's okay to have those feelings of anger or disappointment or fear or, you know, worry, whatever it is that you're going through. Uh, it's just nice to know that other people, other people feel that with you. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Now, one question I had too, is like, I read one deal uh, you had is like the difference in the mindset of a what if versus the even if in these tough scenarios that you're talking about, can you explain that as just how that affects how you process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, one time I had posted something about the idea of what if, and and this is kind of when, when we're talking about anxiety or worry, uh, your mind sometimes goes there. Well, you know, what if I don't make enough money? What if we don't get enough rain? What if, uh, what if my kids, you know, are in a farm accident? Uh, there's all sorts of worries that we have living on a farm, definitely. Um, but what's interesting is you can use that same, that that same questioning, and just switch it to even if. Um, or someone even posted, I think, instead of even if, they go to in spite of. So instead of thinking, you know, what if we don't get enough rain? Let's shift that to 
even if we don't get enough rain, I'm still going to be okay. I'm still going to make this work. I'm, I can still do X, Y, and Z to make things better. Or, you know, any question that comes to your mind, if you can shift it from thinking about the worry, the negative, where, you know, how is that, how is that going to go wrong? Think of, okay, well, you know what? Sometimes things are going to go wrong and, and the world is still going to go on. You know, we're still going to be okay. Um, I think that, I think that can be a really powerful perspective. And again, farmers are good at perspective. They've got the, they've got the capability to see things in a good way. So I think that's just a quick tip as to, you know, if it, when we're, when we're you know, talking through things, um, in the, in the tractor by yourself or out with the cattle or whatever, you know, wherever your mind takes you when you're out there by yourself, um, trying to shift that focus from that negative, that, that negative um, mind mentality, those things are going to go wrong, things can go bad, what if all this happens, all this worry and concern, and shift it into, okay, if I'm going to think about those things right now, if that's, not, if that's something I want to focus my energy on, then let's shift it into something productive and think, okay, even if these things do happen, what can I do positively? Or, or, or how can I, you know, how can I either turn it into a positive thing or how can I accept that either, even if something bad happens, I'm still going to be okay. Yeah. To me, it's amazing how that, that, uh, I'll call a what if rabbit hole kind of snowballs and gets pretty bad. You can get there a pretty bad place pretty fast. Mm -hmm. It seems like, and I just love that perspective. It's just no matter what, even if we can. Well, and, okay. and, and I think, you know, I, I know. So, so when I have, uh, this is my third child I've had now that we just had a month ago. And, and for some reason I get this little bit of, a little bit more worry. Um, I think it's just a hormonal thing to be quite frank. <laughs> After you have kids, you're kind of all over the place, but, but I get kind of a, I get that worry all the time. What if this, what if, the, what if the baby, you know, rolls the wrong way? Or what if we have a, a fire in our house right now? How am I going to get all three kids out or whatever? Um, and so, you know, everyone has these in all different areas. And, and one of the things when I'm then taught, this is called self-talk when your, when your brain is going and you're talking to yourself, essentially, one of the things that I have started to focus on recently is saying, okay, what if that does happen? I'm not going to go through all the scenarios of what if. I'm going to instead say that is unlikely, number one, that those things are going to happen. But even if they are, even if on the farm there are some likely bad things that could happen, it's okay to, instead of just worrying about them, turning your brain somewhere else, saying it's okay for me to be stressed out right now. It's okay for me to have these worries, but right now, um, it's not productive for me to think through these scenarios. I, I, I don't need to worry about something until it actually happens, you know? And so instead of even having that conversation in your mind, you can shift from thinking about it and then, and say, now, wait a minute, it's okay to be stressed. Let's do something different. How can I take my mind somewhere else? So even just that, that distraction, you know, like I said before, men are good at distraction and, and it's not good to distract yourself so that you never confront an issue, but it is an okay thing to use sometimes, um, to turn on a funny TV, to, to switch to a different project, to go call a friend and talk about something different. Um, you know, there are little things we can do to distract ourselves to get out of that worry mentality as well. 
me, one of the things that challenges the whole pandemic deal was, is, or is, was, is like, you know, a good example would be baseball. You know, we started up baseball this last weekend and then some of that is a distraction that, you know, things like that you do or go to movies or you name it. Everybody's got their own deal, but a lot of those things have been kind of taken Absolutely. away. Absolutely. And that well. is why, you know, at the very beginning of this pandemic, that one of the first things you saw mental health um, advocates, professionals, whatever talk about is right now, you know, find your new techniques, find your new tips, find your new things that are going to work for you. Maybe that's just stepping outside of your house. You know, maybe you've got kids crawling on you while you're trying to work. That would be me at my house. And so, uh, you know, what is it that you need to do to stay calm? And 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 if watching TV is something that used to work for you, and and that's not going to work because the sports aren't on or whatever, what can you find a new show? You know, can you um, if you can't go to the movies, can't have that date night anymore? Can you um, you know? have the kids go play outside and just take 10 minutes to just talk with your spouse. Um, but, but yeah, we, this is definitely something that's been interesting, but one thing that I think has been, um, a real eye opener for me in this pandemic is that people are going through these uncontrollables, these isolations, this, you know, this no escape. And again, we talked about how that's a lot of what agriculture has been facing for decades. Right. Um, But the difference to me is right away, you saw people saying, we're in this together. We're going to get through this. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay, you know, to, to acknowledge that this is going to be difficult, but that it's going to be okay. And we saw this, this vocal outreach of, of people coming together in agriculture. We have not had that. So we've been going through all these really stressful situations that we haven't been sharing with each other. You know, we've been all on our own as families and as individual farmers, um, you know, try to deal with this ourselves. And even though you kind of know that there's some other farmers that, that have to be going through some of the same stressors, you, there wasn't a place to talk about it. There wasn't, you know, you didn't vent about it too, too much. And, um, and I think what has been unique is that, the last couple of years, we're starting to see that a little bit more in agriculture. And I, I think we could really take a good lesson from this pandemic and say, you know, you don't see all of these people going through these hard times. Now you don't see them saying, just pull up your bootstraps and just push yourself through it. And, you know, and, oh, it's going to be okay. Just man up. You don't see that. You see, this is difficult and it's okay that it's difficult and it's okay because we're going to, because it's going to get better and and it's going to be fine at some point and it might get worse before it gets better, but eventually we're going to get back to where we need to be. That's what we need to have as far as a mentality in agriculture. We need to see more people pushing for that, that, that we're in this together. You know, we're all going through, we're all, you know, maybe in the same storm on a different boat, you know, we're going through the same thing in a different way, but that we're all here and, and, and we need to look out for each other and we need to, to help everyone understand that, um, that they're not alone in all of this. And, and hopefully in doing so, maybe we'll see farming, uh, crawl off the, the list of depression and suicide and, and, um, substance use and those types of things. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty huge. Cause you know, you think about, um, 
Um, you know, the one positive part, I think, for agriculture is we're pretty much, we're all essential. And I don't know about your thing, you know, like our small towns, it's like, you know, you didn't know much that was different um, uh, other than the restaurants, uh, not me able to go in them. So, you know, really seems like the smaller the town, the more agriculture, the more isolated you were a little bit, but then it kind of just, then you, you really kind of figured out pretty quick that uh, you're affected kind of regardless. And so then kind of becomes a little more real. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Too. Well, and that's been, it's interesting because you heard a lot of farmers right away say, well, nothing's changing around here, <laughs> right? I mean, the, you know, you see the world, it's kind of shutting down and farmers are saying, well, we're still kicking, we're still working, we're still doing this. And, um, and, and that's, yeah, it's been good for, you know, that we didn't have to do a lot of shifting. There wasn't a lot of change for us. But again, we also have to realize that, you know, that doesn't mean uh, that doesn't mean we don't need a break. You know, that doesn't mean that, you know, if the rest of the world is realizing that this is a stressful thing to have to push 24 seven, then we also need to realize that it's okay to, to slow down sometimes too. Now, one thing I was thinking of when you was talking, like, has there been much difference between, you know, different generations of farmers on how they handle things or how's that? Well, involved? I think that, you know, I don't know with respect to COVID. I do know that a lot, you know, I've, I've at least read a lot of uh, farmers, you know, that went through the 80s crises and, and even went through the Great Depression and things like that. I mean, there's there's lots of different generations working in agriculture right now. But, um, you know, they certainly speak out on that they had, they've had to go through difficult situations before. Um, and I think sometimes... Sometimes when we've been through a difficult situation and made it through, then we kind of say, oh, you know, we've been through worse than this. This is nothing, right? <laughs> so you just keep pushing. Um, so I think some, maybe some of our older generations are, are a little more guilty of the whole concept of just keep pushing. And, and, and again, I want to reiterate that I don't think there's anything wrong with working hard, you know, or working to the point you know, we all have to know our limits. I guess that's my point is that, that you, you can work hard and you can work long hours. Definitely. And that's a good thing. And that's what keeps us, um, you know, that's what keeps us thriving in agriculture is that we have such hard workers. So it's a good thing, but again, individually, we have to just know our limits. And I think that's where I think our, our younger generations are getting to the point now where they understand they've seen their grandfathers and their fathers, their uncles, their grandparents, their, their aunts and uncles, you know, they've seen how stress has taken a toll on these older generations. And so they're at least starting to acknowledge that maybe they don't want to, they, they want to be able to farm without having to kind of break themselves like they they've seen, you know, we've seen our, are, are certain people, um, you know, dealing with alcoholism, right? We know that there's a huge uh, opioid addiction in agriculture. Um, we've seen, you know, marriages that have either ended in divorce or or are just really unhealthy marriages. Um, and again, that's, that's a, across all industries. But um, when we see those things happen, that doesn't, that should be a good indicator for us that maybe sometimes we do need to, to slow down and, and focus on what our real values are um, and not put the farm and the hard work as the number one value. Um, I think it's interesting because if you ask a group of farmers, 
you know, what are your top three priorities? What are the top three things that you value the most? Well, we write faith, farm, family, right? Or faith, family, farm, whatever order, in no, no particular order, but we write those things. Um, but then if you take a minute and you say, okay, now what are you doing to show that those are your values? You know, what's going on in your life on your day-to-day life that's showing that those are the things that are most important to you. And I can tell you that farmers can list all sorts of things they're doing to try and show that their farm is, you know, thriving and that they're getting work done. You know, that's, that's the easy one. But what are you doing to keep your family your priority? You know, what are, what are you, what are the steps you're taking to show that you care about your family and, and keeping your family as strong as your farm? I think that sometimes we like to say that we value our families and we value our, our communities and our, um, you know, our extra things. But unfortunately, in farming, we don't always show that. So, so that's something that I think someone once said, prove it. And I love that because that's what we need to do every single day is wake up and say, what are my values and how am I going to prove that today? Mm, that's really good because a lot of times... You know, I think after you know difference between what's important versus what's urgent, and sometimes the urgent part of well, we have a farming, we have a calendar, really, we have to go by, or you know, it's it's time to plant or time to harvest, and sometimes that the urgent stuff gets in the way of what's important, mm-hmm. and so I love that. Yeah. So just prove. Yeah. Well, and okay. and if you think about it, I can tell you right now at our house, what's urgent? There's always something urgent in farming. <laughs> there's there's always a calendar that's going to say that this needs to be done right away. So I, I respect that idea that, yes, we have a timeline. Yes, we have a, uh, an ABC priority list. You know, you got to get certain tests done by a certain time. I, I, I get that. That's got to be done. But at the same time, what are you, what are you putting that's urgent on your, on, your, on your list to help your family? You know, why are we waiting until our family is urgent? Because <laughs> I think that's, that's maybe a problem. If you're, if you're waiting till something is urgent, cause that means probably there's a problem and, and yeah, we need to kind of maintain, right. I think those values a little bit better. Yeah. And that probably just goes even for your, yeah, not just the family, but your, you know, kind of, I guess it'd be a way to think about your own personal self Absolutely. that way too. Absolutely. Really. Couldn't, couldn't, yep. Yeah. Well, that is really cool. Well, uh, that kind of run everything I had, Adrian. Uh, really enjoyed the chance to get to visit with you again. Um, so do you have anything final you want to add or anybody? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely think um, you, you're welcome to follow me on, on social media. I, I really try not to push it as a business or anything <laughs> because really this is just a message to me that I think is important. And, and I hope that... Um, you know, I'm not trying to sell anything and I'm not trying to, you know, get more followers or anything like that. I really just want to make sure that we continue again to sow hope and grow hope. That's the whole concept is the more people, you know, know that mental health is important, the more people will talk about it. And the, and the more, you know, hopefully the more lives fam, farm families will save and keep together. So, um, so I, I encourage you to follow me if you're on Facebook or Twitter. Um, but ultimately, I just just want to remind you that that um, you know we can't control tomorrow. So so do today as as best you can, and really focus on that. What you can be doing today to again show show what your values are and, and prove 
prove what you care about and, and and I hope that the farm is on there but that your family and that and of course yourself uh, is on there as well oh that is so awesome well Adrian I again thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, spend with us and uh, and uh, hope you have a good rest of summer and get ready to go ready for harvest right. and, and take care thank of those you very ones, much so. Chris Thanks for listening to DreamMaker, making dreams come true. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on social media at FNB Windmill and online at fnb-windmill.com. Heard a topic that could enrich someone else's life too? Be sure to share this podcast with friends and family and check back regularly for new episodes or subscribe so you never miss a show. See you soon.